Hey, it's Dr. Joyelle, and welcome to the Women's Health Pearl Show, where we educate and empower women to own their health, especially through midlife changes. I am so excited to have my friend, Dr. Efi Sid, on the show. Welcome, Dr. Efi. Thank you, Dr. Joyelle. I'm very happy to be here today. Thank you so much. So I brought Dr. Efi to, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Efi. She is a board certified OBGYN who's been in private practice for over a decade here in Maryland. She is a United States Army veteran. Thank you for your service. And she is also a national speaker for my risk hereditary cancer syndrome testing for Myriad Genetics, which is why I brought her here today. We are talking about breast cancer awareness because October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And it's very personal for me because unfortunately I lost two aunts earlier this year, um, one from breast cancer and one from ovarian cancer. So it's a very important topic. Breast cancer is the most common cancer um, in women in the United States. So I'm very excited to talk about genetic screening with Dr. Efi Stitt. So let's jump right into it. I know you have a lot of pearls and gems to share with our audience. So first, what is genetic testing? A lot of people don't know what that is. Is it a blood test, lyo test? What is genetic testing? Great question, Dr. Joyle. And again, thank you so much for this opportunity to share such a, a wealth of knowledge that unfortunately a lot of women don't always have access to. Um, as you said, it is uh, breast cancer is the most commonly affected cancer um, affecting women, second only to lung cancer. Over 250,000 women annually will be diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, genetic testing it really is for those people similar to yourself who have a strong family history, who have maybe aunts or a grandmother or mother or sisters who have some type of um, cancer that might potentially run in their family. So breast is one of the more common ones and you know there are um, specific genes that may predispose a person to having a higher, um, a higher chance of developing breast cancer or even ovarian cancer, for example, in their lifetime. So genetic testing is a way to um, identify those people that might be at high risk um, before they actually get the cancer. Okay. So is it a blood test? Is it, because I know originally when it first came out, it was a saliva test, but it transitioned to a blood test, just so people can know like what to expect if they do um, ask for this testing. Yes, it actually started off as a blood test, but one of the options also is a salivary test where you're able to just spit or give a, a sample in um, a vial if you're afraid of needles. But ideally, um, we're able to get more information, more genetic genetic information when it is done through a blood test. It's a simple blood test. It's just, um, you know, it takes a couple of minutes just to get um, a vial or two of, of your blood. It's sent to a, um, um, a, a lab in Utah, in Salt Lake City, Utah. And what they do is they run the tests um, several times to determine whether the, um, whether the patient is at risk for developing one of several genetic cancers. The different sites that are looked at currently are breast, ovarian, uterine, prostate, pancreatic, gastric, and um, small, small intestine. Okay. 
And as far as the genetic testing itself, now I know that, um, you know, like I said, people need to know in regards to what their risk factors are, if they are affected with the gene. And I think it's also important to tell um, our viewers about the importance of knowing our family history. Um, like I mentioned before, I had, you know, two aunts as well as a cousin on my mother's side um, who was affected by breast cancer. So um, I want you to kind of, you know, tell the audience about the importance of knowing our family history. It's extremely important. You know, when you go to see a doctor, they often ask you about, you know, what are your medical conditions? And also one of the things that we as doctors often ask, what's your family history? Your family history oftentimes is a roadmap for what potentially might be coming down the road. So if you have several family members on either your mom or even your dad's side with some of these type of cancers, it might be an it might give um, your provider an inkling of what might be in store for you. Therefore, doing you know your your provider is able to do things that will help to prevent or screen you to make sure that if um, that that cancer that potentially could um, occur in you we can mitigate it and kind of identify it a little sooner so that instead of you succumbing to the disease, you're able to identify it at an early stage where treatment or some type of intervention can happen. So the family history is one of the most useful tools that a provider can use to take care of a patient. Right. And also want to point out that mom's side and dad's side is important because the, the you know, 50 percent of our chromosomes come from our, our dad's side. So it's also important to know both sides of the family. So, you know, the holidays are coming. So these when you have your your whether your small gatherings in person, make sure you wear your mask uh, or via Zoom. Uh, you want to have these conversations about family members health and knowing who, you know, who, who has what. So you can get that information in order to share that with your doctor, um, you know, to kind of see what your risk factors are. So great. So what about those women? You know, I know both of us have encountered these women who are afraid to get testing, genetic testing, because they're, they don't want to, they're afraid of the actual results, or they're afraid that if they do have the gene, that can affect their, you know, life insurance policy, like, you know, being deemed as a pre-existing condition. Yeah, that's great questions. And that's exactly one of the things that we often see that's often that's often a barrier to um, getting patients tested. So I'm going to address it kind of into in a couple of parts. First, one of the things, especially for women of color, and I think kind of in our climate today, we really have to be very sensitive to, you know, the ethnic disparities that exist in women of color and other women when it comes to um, health care. But that's exactly right. One of the things that um, a, a study was done in 2018 that showed that a lot of women of color are very fearful of getting testing done um, because they are afraid of the outcome or maybe the um, management or the future implications are not uh, well explained. What they found was 50% of white women who have a um, strong family history or develop breast cancer and are found to have a strong family history are offered genetic testing or go through with genetic testing as compared to only 25% of black women. So double the number of um, black women, you know, double the number of white women compared to black women um, who get tested. Um, now, one of the things that a lot of people are concerned about is, okay, I get this information. Um, am I going to lose my health insurance? Am I going to lose my life insurance? Um, in 2008, uh, President George Bush passed a law called the GINA Act, the Genetic 
uh, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act. And in that act, it, it states that you are not allowed um, to be discriminated against um, once you know that there's, once you are determined to have genetic information that might predispose you to developing a cancer later in your life. That is law. And it has been on the books for well over a decade and it's it's fairly well um, you know followed and there have been a couple of cases which have been fought legally and um, they've always sided with the patient. Furthermore, the Affordable Care Act, we're hoping it lasts a little longer, but the Affordable Care Act also um, protects patients with pre-existing conditions. Therefore, you have a history, and as we saw in the debate last night, um, Senator Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris really said this so eloquently, if you have a history of breast cancer, for example, that's considered a pre-existing condition. Right. So the Affordable Care Act actually does protect patients with um, not only the conditions, but also having the disposition, um, the predisposition for developing these cancers. So there are two acts on um, two legal uh, documents that um, are well protective of patients. So they cannot lose their health insurance, nor can they lose their life insurance. In fact, it's actually illegal to even ask. Awesome, awesome. So that's great to know. Okay, so let's say a woman gets tested and she comes back with the BRCA or what we call the BRCA gene, um, either one or two. Can you, can you explain what that actually means? Like what would be the next step in their management if someone comes back positive for the gene? Absolutely. I'm going to explain a little bit just kind of one of the ways that I explain to even providers, because sometimes it's a little hard to understand what that actually means. If you think about it, I think about it as um, each of us is born with um, a set of cancer fix-it genes, so to um, speak. One you get from your mom, one you get from your dad. And these cancer fix-it genes, their goal in our, the course of our life is to make sure that they you know, keep us um, protected and fix any of the cellular changes on the cellular level that might happen because of exposure, because of age, because of lifestyle um, decisions. So in a normal person who has two normal sets of genes, you have one cancer fix-it gene that works until it decides to retire, and then your backup kicks in. So that's why in a normal person, you see cancer at an older age. So the first gene works, say, until midlife, and then the second gene takes over. And when that one decides to quit, then you end up with cancer, and that typically happens in old age. In somebody who has a genetic mutation, say the BRCA mutation, they get a normal gene from one parent, but an abnormal gene from the other parent. So that cancer fix-it gene will work until about midlife, but there's no backup and that's when you see cancer. So that's why people who have genetic mutations often develop cancer at younger ages. And as Dr. Joya actually mentioned, that's part of one of the things that's in the history that we wanna know about. Folks who get cancers, especially at younger ages. Once you are identified to have um, one of these different types of mutation, of course, the BRCA one is the most commonly known one. It allow, it deter what, what determines your care is how old you are. If you are a 22-year-old college student, the management is different from if you're a 35-year-old who is thinking about having another child versus a woman who's 56 years old who's completed childbearing and is already through menopause. We can do different things from surveillance, getting more screening things like mammograms and MRIs, for example, 
to medications um, that might also protect um, a patient, and then also finally surgical options. So that's a discussion that happens with your provider, and it is, um, it's, you know, it's not a cookie cutter. It's really tailored to the patient. Awesome, awesome. So like you mentioned, the genetic testing not only can tell us about breast and ovarian cancer, it can also tell us about other cancers, um, like colon cancer and uterine cancer. Can you talk a little bit about what those other cancers, you know, what other um, cancers patients can kind of think about when they do go for this, you know, full panel of genetic testing? Absolutely. Um, the company that I work for, Myriad, um, the reason why they picked eight different cancer sites are because we're looking for cancer sites where there's actually what's called clinically actionable genes. What that means is we're looking for genes that have been identified that you can actually do something about the cancers that the patients um, could potentially develop. For example, some of the more common ones that we talk about, breast, of course, ovarian cancer, more recently, pancreatic cancer. We're beginning to see that a lot. Um, we lost two great heroes in this last year who suffered from pancreatic cancer, um, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, as well as um, Congressman Elijah Cummings from Baltimore. Both of them um, were afflicted with pancreatic cancer. Uh, colorectal cancer is one that really disproportionately affects the African-American community as well. And we're beginning to see much younger um, patients, for example, Chadwick Boseman, you know, before he even, you know, in his, before he turned 40, he was diagnosed with um, colorectal cancer. Um, so those are some of the big ones that we um, we look at, the ones that are a little bit more common. So you um, and of course, uterine cancer is another one that we often see, um, you know, for women. Um, so I always tell folks, you know, to, you know, certainly at these holiday gatherings, this is a perfect time to identify these type of cancers. And the, you know, the there is a, a there's a list of guidelines that tell us exactly what to do if somebody carries these type of genetic mutations what cancers they might be at risk for and exactly how to manage them based on their age, as I mentioned. Right, right. Yes, all great points. And like you mentioned, um, black women are actually more likely to be diagnosed with breast cancer at an earlier age, as well as African-Americans with colon cancer. They are more likely to be diagnosed with colon cancer at an early age. So the important thing here is screening, right? We have to be vigilant about getting our initial screening. So our initial screening mammogram, which typically starts at the age of 40, but that can you know, potentially be earlier based on your family history. So again, knowing your family history is important, um, as well as colon cancer. Usually, they, you know, the, 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 the American Cancer Society mentions age 50 to start colonoscopies, but that can certainly um, um, start much earlier. They say more, more 45 um, for African-Americans. Um, you wanna touch a little bit about Cologuard, which some people are a little afraid of colonoscopy. You wanna mention uh, what Cologuard is? I think that's an excellent point. So there was a, um, uh, there's now a new test called Cologuard that came out about two years ago. Um, it's FDA approved. It's actually FDA approved for patients who are have no family history or have a, a you know low family history um, of colon cancer. It's a very very easy test. You you can have it ordered. The kit comes to your home. You're able to collect a stool sample and you send it off. And the the folks will examine it and determine if there are proteins in your stool that are suspicious for colon cancer. One of the things that, you know, is a rate limiting step for a lot of, you know, pay, people of color who have, um, are um, 
need to uh, be screened. And you are absolutely right. The newest recommendation for um, for African Americans is actually um, getting the colon um, screening done starting at age 45, because we're seeing a lot, especially for um, for Black males. But definitely, we want to get it done. Um, you know, no later than 50. But um, oftentimes, people don't like the prep. It's not really fun. And also, you know, not everybody is really super jazzed about having the procedure actually done. Um, I can tell you personally, I've had four of them because my father died of colon cancer. And, and my grandmother, my paternal grandmother also, I lost from colon cancer. So I started getting those colon screenings at an early age. But for people who do not have a family history, Cologuard is a great and easy um, method of getting your screening done. It's been FDA approved. It's been uh, validated for those who don't have a you know really strong family history and you're still at least getting the screening done. So let's talk about those women who are afraid of getting their screening mammograms, right? We, you see it, I see, I've seen it. Women come in, we recommend a mammogram and they are really afraid. Why do you think that is? You know, I think that inherently we all want to think that we're invincible and it's it's scary. You know, it's scary to hear or to find out that potentially you have some type of illness that you may not have a lot of control over. But I'll tell you, you know, one of my patients um, really put it, you know, really uh, very succinctly. When um, she knew she had a strong family history, she decided to get tested because she wanted to be in control. She calls it being the driver of the bus. And, you know, she wanted to get behind the wheel and decide where she was going. So she decided to take control of her life and figure out what do I need to do to make sure that I'm here for my child, that I'm here for my husband, that I'm here for my loved ones. Because when you have a, a family history, it's not a matter of if, it's really a matter of when. And so in order to be able to actually be in control of your life and be in control of your own destiny, you have to get the information. Knowledge is key, knowledge is power. It, otherwise, you're just waiting for something to come and knock you down. You absolutely have to get in there. You have to ask the questions. You have to dig. You have to get the answers that you need in order to allow your providers to do a better job of caring for you. And once you get that information and your providers give you a recommendation, you got to follow through with it. You know, otherwise, unfortunately, you have no one to blame but yourself. But the key, especially, I think, in the black community, we must do a better job of getting the information and following through with the information because not, you know, having that information can save lives. It's quite that simple. Right, right. And also just um, having an accountability partner, too, I think it's also important to share the information with each other. You know, you, you have someone, you know, have a date with one of your girlfriends or a couple of girlfriends. You go get your mammograms and go out. Well, we're in the middle of a pandemic now, but, you know, go out to lunch afterwards or do something afterwards. That's fun. Um, so I think it's also important to, you know, sh you know, have the knowledge as well as share the knowledge with your loved ones, your friends. So everyone can be, you know, like I said, owner, take ownership of their health and, you know, essentially be con in control of their livelihood. Absolutely. And that's actually, I have a couple of friends who we go and we get our mammograms together. We go, we get our mammograms and we go to lunch, but absolutely. And also we have to be responsible for our family members as well. So right. those that are doing what they're supposed to do, chase after your dad, chase after your mom, chase after your husband, your brother, your sister, making sure that they're getting the appropriate screening because 
we have to, you know, that's how we empower our community. Chase after your best friend. Hey, girl, did you get your mammogram? Make sure you get on that. So we have to lift up our community as well and, and hold not only hold each other accountable, but encourage those family members and say, hey, you know what? I just got my mammogram done. It really wasn't so bad. So many women, I mean, I remember, you know, Dr. Joyelle, you know the same thing. Our moms told us forever that our mammograms were going to be terrible. I remember right. the day I got my first mammogram, I came home and I told my mom, why did you make me so scared? It was, it was a piece of cake. You know, so I think a lot of it is the fear that people have, um, but it's unreasonable fear. You and I also know young ladies come in and they're terrified of their first pap smear and right. they put it off for years and then they come in and they're like, well, that wasn't so bad. Exactly. So I think for everything, you have to go out and see for yourself. And if for whatever reason is not great, then talk to whoever the person who's performing the test and tell them, figure out a way to make it better. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was great information. I think the take home points at this point is screening, the importance of screening, because essentially it can save your life. Yeah. And the other take home point is know your family history, have those conversations. So I want to thank you, Dr. Efi, for joining me on the Women's Health Pearl show. I am so glad to be here. You're doing such a great service to women all over the uh, D.C. metro area. Thank you. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Dr. Joyelle, and I'm here to bring you real talk about real women's issues. Take care. Hey, it's Dr. Joyelle. I know many of you have been following me. We've talked about fibroids. We've talked about perimenopause, menopause, sexual health, and I am super excited that the Women's Health Pearl Show is joining the Always Real Talk Network. So yeah, I'm a mom of three, I am 45, and I started experiencing perimenopausal symptoms at the age of 39. So I know what it's like when you feel like your body is working against you. So I wanted to help other women who are going through the same thing. We are going to continue to educate and empower women to take ownership of their health so they can optimize their wellness and live their best lives. Tune in. Starting in October, my Women's Health Pearl Show with yours truly, Dr. Joyelle. We're going to have real talk about real women's issues. And that's why I came up with the idea of creating this show so I can help more women like her who are having these issues and can have the same outcome after they watch the show.